like Jesus. I would be like Jesus. Help me, Lord, to daily grow more and more like Jesus. Teach me as the days go by. Teach me not to reason why. Teach me where to do and die is to be like Jesus. I would be like Jesus. I would be like Jesus. Help me, Lord, to daily grow more and more like Jesus. Teach me that the time is short. Teach me how to live and look. Teach me there to nip the shirk is to be like Jesus. I would be like Jesus. I would be like Jesus. Help me, Lord, to daily grow more and more like Jesus. Teach me how we may be one like the Father and the Son. And when all is overcome, I would be like Jesus. I would be like Jesus. I would be like Jesus. Help me, Lord, to daily grow more and more like Jesus. Good morning and happy Sabbath. Good morning. Um, our scripture reading today is found in Luke, if you would like to join me. Luke chapter 4, and it will be verses 16 to 21. 
And I am so thankful that we still are able to come and worship when we want to and that we have the Bible to read from. And our scripture is Luke 4, verse 16 to 21. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. morning, I would like to start with what may sound like a rhetorical question, but I'm going to throw it out there, and if you'd like to give some answers, I'll feel them. Field them. Um, why did Jesus come to earth, or what, what did Jesus come to earth to do? What was his purpose for coming? Save the lost. Save the lost. Show us the Father. There's really multiple reasons. Can you think of any others? Yeah. To be with us. He certainly, as was probably summarized by saying, came to save us. He certainly came here to live a sinless life in human form that he could then die and be resurrected to save us. And he certainly came to reveal the Father. Um, one of the more specific things that it talks about a couple places, and we're going to uh, read the text later on, is that he came to destroy the works of the devil. Yeah. Um, another one is if you look at the uh, Gospels, many of the parables and many of the stories that are in the Gospels were about healing. So it seems that like a big emphasis of his ministry had something to do with healing. And certainly in a large part when he was on earth it dealt with physical healing but often he was also dealing with the mental and the spiritual healing as well trying to make people whole you know in all senses or all facets of their being in this text that we just read or that Cindy just read um I'm going to reread just a couple of verses in the middle of that. When Jesus stood up to speak there and he took the scroll from Isaiah, he read this text, as, as it says right there, it was from Isaiah. It actually comes from Isaiah chapter 61. 
the first few verses of Isaiah 61. But if you read what it says in Isaiah 61 and compare it to what Jesus said here, there is a line that Jesus said that is not in Isaiah 61. And I know that there are various different manuscripts, and I don't know if some have it and some don't, um, or if it was something that Jesus just added when he read it. But in the Isaiah 61 translation that we have in our Bibles, first let me read what he actually said, and then I'll point out what is different. Jesus said, reading from Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel, or the good news, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set free those who are downtrodden, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The line in there that says, and recovery of sight to the blind, is not in Isaiah, at least in our modern-day translations that we have. And whether it's in some other manuscripts and not in the ones that they use to translate it today, or whether that was something that Jesus just added when he was reading, either way, I think it's significant that he put it in there, And it appears that a a significant part of his ministry was, he used this specifically to say heal the blind, but to heal all kinds of people that were ailing from various types of diseases, not just the blind. At this point, I invite you to turn to the book of John, to the fifth chapter, and we're going to read nine verses that's part of a story about healing. John 5, 1 through 9, and this is about the lame man at Bethesda, by the pool of Bethesda. Some of you are probably familiar with that story. But let's take a look at what it says. John chapter 5, Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. After these things, there is a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticles. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water, Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped into the pool, was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. And a certain man was there who had been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time in that condition. And he asked him this question. Do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Arise, take up your pallet and walk. And immediately the man became well and took up his pallet or bed and began to walk.
We'll talk more about that story in a minute, but first I want to ask you a series of, I don't know if you'd call them interesting questions or strange questions, and you may wonder at first, what has this got to do with this reading that we just had? But Hang on. First question is, what was the best thing before sliced bread? We always hear, you know, since sliced bread. I don't know. Why do they sterilize needles for lethal injections? Why is it that the first piece of luggage out at the baggage claim in an airport never belongs to anyone? I like this next one. Why are there interstate highways in Hawaii? If a policeman arrests a mime, do they tell him he has the right to be silent? Why do you press harder on the remote control when you know that the battery is dead? Here's a good Wisconsin one. If a cow laughs, does milk come up through its nose? Well, maybe interesting, maybe strange, I don't know. But in the scripture that we just read from John 5, 1 to 9, Jesus asked the lame man what some may think was a strange question. Do you wish to get well? Strange question, huh? Why wouldn't this man that had been lame for 38 years, why wouldn't he want to get well? And yet Jesus asked the question. And perhaps it's because, if the truth be told, sometimes we don't want to be released from our infirmities. We may say we do, but do we really? Consider the story of a man named Kurt that shared with the congregation and church one Sabbath. This is what he said. Last week I was driving down North Pike Street in downtown Seattle when I passed a homeless man sleeping in an alley. He didn't have a blanket, and it was below freezing even though the night was still young, and I just couldn't shake that image in my mind. I worried that he might be freezing to death, so I ended up doing a U-turn and went back to the alley where he was. I found the man, and I introduced myself and learned that his name was Ray. I invited him to come home with me and to live with me until he could get back on his feet, or at least until the weather got warmer. Well, Kurt went on to tell how Ray did come with him, He enjoyed a hot shower, had a big meal, had a warm bed. Kurt even gave Ray a key to the house so he could live there and come and go as he pleased. The irony of the story is that the man stayed for only two days and then he disappeared. He left a note scribbled on a paper sack that said, Thanks, but I prefer to live on the streets. How could this be? 
Ray had scored the jackpot where all of his needs were cared for. At last, he was redeemed from the streets of crime and hate. But whoever said that he wanted to be redeemed? Ray preferred his life as a homeless drunk. I don't know if you've ever thought about it or realized that when you look at all the stories in the Gospels about Jesus healing people, there was either one of two circumstances that happened before they got healed. Either they took the initiative, which was the most common thing, they came to Jesus and asked to be healed. Or sometimes Jesus, there's at least three or four examples I'm going to share this morning, where Jesus asked them in one form or another, what can I do for you or would you like to be healed? You know. <clears throat> um, the first one we're going to look at just briefly is in Luke 18, 41, story of blind Bartimaeus. Basically, the, the story is Jesus is coming down the road where Bartimaeus is, and he gets word that Jesus is coming, and he starts shouting out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and some of the disciples or people there tried to make him quiet. Be quiet. Don't bother the master. You know? And he shouts it out again even louder, uh, son of David, have mercy on me. <clears throat> and Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought over to him. And when he came near, he questioned him. What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. So there's one example where Jesus asked him what he wanted or needed, even though it should have been obvious what he wanted or needed. You know. um, another one is in Matthew 20. This one also involves blindness. In this case, it's two blind men. Starting with verse uh, 29 in Matthew chapter 20. And as they were going up from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And that's almost exactly the same phrase as the other Blind man, huh? Bartimaeus. And the multitude sternly told them to be quiet, but they cried out all the more, saying, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And Jesus stopped and called out to them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. And moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. And then, there, of course, there was the story we already read in John chapter 5 about the man that had been lame for 38 years. <clears throat> the healing of the lame man is a compelling reminder of the power of God to heal us in our ailments. 
But that being the case, it should not be assumed, however, that every handicapped sinner wants to be healed. And to me, I think this is, explains what appears to be on the surface a bizarre question when Jesus asked the paralytic, do you wish to get well? Now, maybe we could have assumed that the man wanted healing. After all, he was sick for 38 years. Who wouldn't want to get well? You know? and, and also, he was laying beside this pool where healing supposedly happened. So everything pointed to the fact that he wanted to get well, and yet Jesus still asked the question, do you wish to get well? And I submit to you this morning, it's a fair question. It is the same question that we must ask ourselves if we are serious about overcoming our habits that many times sabotage our souls. In Jeremiah 17.9, it says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? And the truth be told, often what poisons our spiritual lives is a daily diet of destructive choices that we choose to make. And given that these are our choices, our decisions, we may not really want to be healed. And we must seriously ask ourselves that question. There are many people that prefer bondage to redemption. I read a story about a pastor of a large church, um, and I'm going to kind of read what he said here, but it talks about this situation of counseling people that are in bondage to various things. He says, as a pastor, I have seen a steady parade of people march through my office seeking freedom from sin. The confession rings familiar. Help comes the cry. I want freedom from uh, you name it. I want freedom from alcohol, from anger, drug abuse, pornography, food addictions, soap operas, sports, gossip, shopping, whatever other escape you choose to pick. And the same pastor, continuing on, says, at first... I thought I could cure anybody's problems. That's because I failed to start with Jesus' question. I erroneously assumed that anybody seeking help from a pastor really wanted help or really wanted to be healed. More and more, however, I am discovering the rich discernment that Jesus displayed in his question to the paralytic. Do you really wish to be healed? The curious thing about us is often the very behavioral patterns that that tend to destroy us are the ones that we are most reticent to give up. The very things that we don't want to change. We may say we do, but do we really want to change them? We may say on an intellectual or spiritual level, yes, my pride is ruining my life, or my anger is destroying my relationships. Gluttony is sabotaging my self-esteem. 
Yet, we can't seem to change. Nor, if we were really honest with ourselves, do we really want to. But this scripture does, however, offer a great opportunity to challenge ourselves to honestly confront ourselves with the question, do we really want to be healed? And if the answer is yes, there is a multitude of hope. And we're going to look at some of that at this point. Let's start with a few scriptures. Before we look at the scriptures, I'll just ask you another question or two leading into that. Do you really want Jesus more than anything, more than any of these other things that we cherish in life? Do we want Jesus more than anything? I'm going to read uh, the next, I think it's four different scriptures we're going to look up here, and I'm going to read them all from the remedy uh, paraphrase. The first one is from 1 Corinthians 10.13. Many of you may be familiar with that and is a great scripture of hope. First Corinthians ten thirteen. For there is no temptation to discontinue God's treatment that has come upon you except for fear and selfishness that infects all mankind. But God is reliable and trustworthy. He will not allow temptation beyond your ability to resist. But when you are tempted, he will always provide resources, options, opportunities, supports, and alternate ways out so that you can stand your ground and overcome the temptation, thereby growing stronger with each new victory. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not continue to practice the destructive methods of selfishness which infect the world, but be completely transformed into God's image by the renewing of your mind. Then you will value God's principles. You will practice his methods and discern his will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that's it, isn't it? Ultimately, That's what God wants us to do. He wants our minds, our brains to be transformed, restored to the image of God. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. First John chapter 3 and verse 8. He who, who does what is selfish is practicing the devil's methods and principles, as the devil is the or originator of selfishness. The reason the Son of God came to earth was to destroy the works of selfishness, the devil's work of selfishness, and to bring the universe back into harmony 
with God and his law of love. And one more, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. So come to me, all who are tired, worn down, exhausted from fear, selfishness, and fighting to survive on your own, and I will give you rest. Join up with me and learn my methods, the principles upon which life is built to operate. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find healing and rest for your souls. For joining up with me and living in harmony with the way of life is designed to operate, is what makes life easy and lightens life's burdens. And then there's a couple of passages from Desire of Ages I'd like to share with you this morning. First one is from page 203 in Desire of Ages. And this comes from the chapter that talks about the the lame man at Bethesda. And um, I'm only going to read a couple of paragraphs here, but I would encourage you to read that whole chapter if you want to read something inspiring, you know. But on page 203, it says, Jesus has given him, speaking of the lame man that was healed, uh, Jesus had given him no assurance of divine help. The man might have stopped to doubt and lost his one chance of healing, but he believed Christ's word, and in acting upon it, he received strength. Through the same faith, we may receive spiritual healing. By sin, we have been severed from the life of God. Our souls are palsied. Of ourselves, we are no no more capable of living a holy life than was the impotent man capable of walking. There are many who realize their helplessness, and they long for a spiritual life, which will bring them into harmony with God. They are vainly striving to obtain it. In despair, they cry, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? But let the desponding, struggling ones look up. The Savior is bending over the purchase of his blood, saying with inexpressible tenderness and pity, Wilt thou be made whole? He bids you arise in health and peace. Do not wait to feel that you are made whole. Believe his word, and it will be fulfilled. Put your will on the side of Christ. Will to serve him, and in acting upon this word, you will receive strength. Whatever may be the devil's evil practice, the master passions which have long, you have long indulged in and bind your soul and body, Christ is able and longs to deliver you. He will impart life to a soul that is dead in trespasses. He will set free the captive that is held by weakness and the misfortune of the chains of sin. And one other shorter quote from Desire of Ages, page 311. God's ideal for his children is higher than the highest human thought can reach. 
Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which in heaven is perfect. And then she makes a very interesting short sentence that says, This command is a promise. We are promised that we can be perfect as the Father is perfect. The plan of redemption contemplates our complete recovery from the power of Satan. Christ always separates the contrite soul from sin. He came to destroy the works of the devil, and he has made provision that the Holy Spirit shall be imparted to every repentant soul to keep him from sinning. So in closing this morning, I want to ask you, do you really wish to get well? Do you really want to be whole? Do you really want to be healed? Do you want Jesus more than anything? Just to know he's leading in my life Is worth everything that I might sacrifice Oh, I want Jesus more than anything Take the fame that I might seems so dear I'd rather have him than any praise that men may give to me I want him to have control and be the breath of life 
Jesus, I'd rather have him than anything. He had power without end from the heavens. He ruled the universe. Countless angels waited on his every call but one day I saw him all alone on the road to death and untold agony just for me he suffered what a price he paid the desire of everyone, bring us to the point that it is that we would want Jesus more than anything. We invite you anew today to come into each of our lives and continue the transforming work of the Holy Spirit of cleansing us from every sin, of continuing the process of healing and restoring us to the full image of God. And you have promised that you would continue that work until the day of Jesus Christ. And we claim that promise in the name of Jesus.